You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Heavenly Father, I give you great thanks and praise that you've given us this time to gather together this evening and to hear and receive your holy word. And I pray that as we're gathered now that you'd be in the midst of us and ultimately always I pray that not my words at the end of the day, but that your living word would go forth bearing with it the life and the salvation found therein, and that that living word would be planted deeply within our hearts and within our lives, and it, bring, it would bring in us the fruit of salvation which comes from you. And to all this I ask, all this I offer in the name of Jesus, your Son. Amen. As we continue our reflection on Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the, the 12th chapter, I begin with sharing a story with you about a man named Nick Vucic. And uh, Nick was a man, and perhaps you've seen him, perhaps you've seen uh, some of his uh, videos on YouTube or what have you. If you're anything like me, like most people, once you watch one, you'll, you'll find, you, you, know, you know how that happens, an hour um, is gone after you've watched uh, one of his uh, after another. And his, his story is an amazing story, and his witness is an amazing Witness, he was born without arms and legs, uh, and so you know, in, in essence, uh, Nick is, is is pretty much a, a torso, and not surprisingly, and it, it's the old "you think you have problems." Uh, you can imagine the challenges as a as a young boy uh, growing up, the, the the stares and the comments that he would receive, and the, and the sense of feeling um, despairing and and ostracized, even to the point that he attempted suicide at, at age 10. Uh, such were the challenges and the hardships that he that he grew up with and that he experienced but but since then his his life has changed and it's one um, which is filled with with a remarkable joy and a remarkable uh, hope and a remarkable optimism optimism not just not just good cheer um, but but a deep and abiding sense of faith and a deep and living relationship with Jesus Christ and he obviously um, does a lot of uh, speaking and sharing of his faith and, and the difference that it made in his life. And, I, and I'm going to quote to you now. He speaks in a lot of different settings, a lot of different contexts, but uh, on the particular one that I'm quoting from right now, he was speaking to young um, teenage girls, and, and specifically those who had experienced uh, abuse and, and broken homes, and he was speaking to them and to their situation, and, and he says these words. He says, sometimes in life... Um, you fall down. And as he said that, sometimes in life you fall down. He actually fell down. And, and you can imagine, uh, again, um, no arms, no legs. He says, sometimes in life you fall down. And he fell down. And then he's speaking to the group uh, from that particular position. As you can imagine, he had their attention. Um, and, and, and mine as well as, as he began to share. And he says, sometimes in life you fall down. And then he goes on and he says this. So what do you do when you fall down? You get back up but sometimes you can't. And maybe you've got some fears. Maybe it's the fear you have when you walk into a house and it's a broken home. Maybe you don't know what will happen in the future and it scares you. Maybe you're worried about what people think about you and say about you, and that fear can paralyze you. And I'm not here today to say that I understand your pain. I don't know how it feels to be abused. I don't know what it feels like to be called fat and have an eating disorder. I don't know how it feels to have a broken home, but I do know how it feels to have a broken heart. 
and I know how it feels to be alone. And I want you to know that it's not the end because I want you to know that I have found my strength in Jesus Christ and the strength to get back up like this. And he, he gets back up from that prone position um, on the stage which he was addressing the people gathered there. And then he says these words, the victory is not when I stand up. The victory is when I know I cannot do this on my own. The victory is not um, when I stand up. Um, the victory is when I know I cannot do this on my own. And before that, he says those amazing words, I have found my strength in Jesus Christ. I have found my strength in Jesus Christ. The victory is not when I stand up. The victory is knowing when I cannot do this on my own. Last week, uh, as we read through Corinthians, we heard Paul's teaching on the Lord's Supper uh, and the remembrance uh, of that which God has accomplished for you and for me, both the power and the grace and the mercy uh, that comes forth from God and that invitation um, to remember that, to remember that which Jesus has accomplished for us, to gather as a community uh, and remember that, and also to gather as a community and to look um, for his um, coming again. Uh, to look uh, and to anxiously await um, his coming again. And, and today, this evening, as we're gathered, Paul is speaking um, to the Corinthians, and the question that he is addressing has to do uh, with spiritual gifts. Uh, the question has to do with spiritual gifts, and he addresses this. And as we begin to do that, let me just say, for starters, I think talking about reflecting on spiritual gifts is awesome, but for the, the challenge for the people um, in Corinth, the challenge for us now is um, when you think spiritual gifts, uh, what do you think about? Uh, and it's, you're welcome to allow this is a rhetorical question unless you just feel so uh, deeply moved at this particular moment. But as you think about spiritual um, gifts, uh, chances are, and one of the challenge for the people in Corinth is for now, you, you, you want something fantastic, right? Um, kind, of, kind of akin to either magic or superpowers, right? Um, spiritual gifts. You want it to be something um, dramatic, or if not dramatic, at least better than your neighbors. Um, something which is really um, noteworthy and enables you um, to stand out. That was, in essence, um, the, the people of the Corinthians day, and, and really, quite frankly, for the most part, you know, the thing is, as we read through the Corinthians, yeah, there's some things which are particular to that time, uh, but the human condition, which is noted as the human um, condition now, uh, and the people uh, in that day and in that time, um, you know, when people thought about, quote, spiritual people, right? Spirit, and we hear that today. So when they thought about spiritual people and spiritual things, it was something dramatic. Um, it was something um, fantastic uh, that, they, that they thought about. Uh, again, like magic, like um, superpowers, and, and ultimately something that brought attention to themselves. Uh, something that brought attention and note to themselves, something that brought um, glory um, to themselves. And, and in essence, what Paul is, is wonderfully saying is, you know what, you're, you're missing the mark there. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts is something which is given to all believers. Uh, it's something given to us um, who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, who find our, our strength in our life uh, and, our, and our worth um, in him, uh, the gifts and the spiritual gifts are given to you um, and to me, the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence um, of the Holy Spirit. But Paul um, rightly and importantly notes that though there are a variety of gifts and that though there are a variety of different ways um, to serve, uh, it's the same God who empowers them all. 
though there are a variety of gifts, though there are a variety of ways to serve, it's the same God um, who gives um, all of these gifts. And these gifts are given um, not, um, and you know, God's not the divine killjoy, but they're not for our glory, but for the common good, um, for building up um, other people, for building up the church, for building up um, the body of Christ. Uh, That is the gifts and the reason for the gifts which are given to us. Uh, And if you remember, uh, as we think about this spiritual gifts, and and there are some which are more distinct and perhaps more um, dramatic, but as we think about spiritual gifts, as we think about uh, what Paul talks about, the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, do you remember, uh, as Paul mentions what the fruits of the Spirit are in Galatians 5, it's uh, it's, it's really dramatic, um, and I want you to go ahead and, and, and prepare yourself for the list um, that I'm going to read to you now. Um, it's, you know, it's really kind of enables you to leap tall buildings. Um, so what he says is, but the fruit of the Spirit is, and then listen to this, what he has to say, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, um, envying one another. Because Paul is, is well aware uh, of the human condition, uh, our, our desire for comparison, uh, our desire to say, okay, well, how do my spiritual gifts um, compare um, to their um, spiritual gifts? Uh, how do... How do I rate um, in the spiritual gifts category? But he talks about these wonderful fruits of the Spirit which God gives for the building up of the body, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness uh, and self-control. Here he, he talks about um, the knowledge uh, and uh, wisdom uh, and faith uh, and gifts uh, of healing, uh, the working of miracles, prophecy, the ability to distinguish um, between spirits. And I want to share with you Three things as we think about this, um, as I share some of these different things, as we reflect on what this has to say. Uh, the first, uh, Nick Vucic, what he wonderfully demonstrates in his life and his ministry and his witness with a sense of joy and with a sense of wonderful freedom. And, and what Paul um, would share with us as well as he writes to the Corinthians is that all of these gifts which we are talking about, all of these gifts, all of these areas of service, the gifts come from God, and they are dependent upon him. All of these gifts, just like it says, a gift. A gift is something which is given to us. A gift is something um, that we receive. All of these gifts um, come from God. Um, these powers, uh, these abilities, these opportunities for service, they're all um, dependent upon God. Uh, the importance that they all come together to promote um, the common good And then also um, that in recognizing uh, our dependence upon God, our recognizing that this um, power is his power at work uh, in you and in me, uh, rather than something that um, depletes us, rather than um, something which makes us less, it's actually wonderfully freeing uh, and it's wonderfully um, life-giving. This opportunity, this invitation um, to enter with God um, into the redemptive life. I... 
I've been reading some, a, a book by a guy, Eugene Peterson. You all may have um, heard his name. And there's one of the chapters, it uh, talks about different facets of the Christian life. And one of the chapters is on service, that which we hear. There, there are varieties of gifts. There are varieties of service. And as he writes about not just service, but different aspects of the Christian life, uh, he draws upon the Psalms for them. The Psalms, of course, being the uh, the hymnody and the prayers uh, of the people of Israel as they as they interacted um, with God in their in their worship and the title of the book is a long obedience in the same direction um, I, I love that particular title and as he writes uh, about service he draws uh, as he writes about service he draws from um, Psalm 132 and in Psalm 132 um, the portion that he's drawing from says this I look to you heaven-dwelling God, look up to you for help, like servants alert to their master's commands, like a maiden attending her lady, we're watching and waiting, holding our breath, awaiting um, your word of mercy. And as Peterson reflects on service, uh, reflects on uh, what it looks like in the Christian life, one of the things that he says, he says, as a person grows, and I'm quoting now, as a person grows and matures in the Christian way, it is necessary to acquire certain skills. One is service. The skill is so difficult to acquire and liable to so many misunderstandings that it's necessary to single it out um, for special attention from time to time. Psalm 123 is an instance of service. In this, as so often in the Psalms, we are not instructed in what to do. We are provided an instance of what is done. A psalm is not a lecture. It's a song. In a psalm, we have the observable evidence of what happens. And listen to this. And this we have the observable evidence of what happens when a person of faith goes about the business of believing and loving and following God. And that's what Paul is talking about as he writes to the Corinthians, as he talks about um, our being drawn together as a body, as he talks about spiritual gifts. It's the business of believing and loving and following God. What does that look like? That which we long for, to believe uh, in God, to follow uh, God, to be um, loving in our lives and in our relationships. Uh, and he goes on to talk about how um, this gives us a, a snapshot of the form of servanthood. And one of the things that he notes in the words that we, uh, that a person of faith looks up to God. A person of faith looks up to God, not at God, uh, and not down um, on God. A servant assumes a certain posture, a stance. If he or she fails to take that posture, attentive responsiveness to the master's commands will be hard. It is easy to get the wrong idea, for when a person becomes a Christian, there's a new sense of confident ability and assured power, uh, and there are promises to encourage us in this. And he goes on, and this, uh, this is toward the end of what I'm going to quote to you from Peterson here, but he talks about, understandably, how God presents himself to us in Jesus Christ as a servant. Uh, as we read through um, the gospel, certainly we see um, Jesus not only speaking of the importance of being a servant, but demonstrating that in his relationship with his followers and demonstrating um, the power of God that is able to flow through us in that uh, and the closeness uh, we draw to the Lord and to one another in service. And he goes on, uh, Peterson goes on and, and says this, um, God presents himself to us in the history of Jesus Christ as a servant, 
With that before us, it's easy to assume the role of master and begin ordering him around. But God is not a servant to be called into action when we're too tired to do something ourselves, not an expert to be called on when we find we're ill-equipped to handle a specialized problem in living. God is not a buddy we occasionally ask to join us at our convenience or for our diversion. And this is the point that I want you to hear that he writes. God did not become a servant so that we could order him around, but so that we could join him in a redemptive life. God became a servant so that we could join him um, in a redemptive life. And, and let me ask you, as you, um, all of us do, for goodness sakes, as, as you um, look for a sense of uh, purpose, as you look for a sense of meaning, as you look for a sense uh, of clarity of what to do um, with yourself, of what to value, what not to value, what's important, what's not important, what to invest in, what not to invest in, how does the invitation to join God in a redemptive life sound? A life, uh, of, uh, a life of relationship that, that looks to and draws its strength and its clarity and its purpose from God. Uh, a life that finds meaning in a redemptive life uh, and, and using the gifts that have been entrusted to us, not in a way where we hoard them, but in a way in which where they're used in the service of God and the service of others, and, in a way that brings hope um, to a hopeless world, in a way that brings healing um, to so many that, that, that deeply need and, and long for healing. Uh, uh, to join in service that actually brings um, redemption uh, in people's lives and to experience the joy and the freedom of that in our lives. Uh, I share one final story with you, thinking about what um, that joy, what um, that freedom might look like in our, in our lives as we um, seek to do what we do for the common good, uh, as we recognize that the gifts given to you and to me and the opportunities of service are, are ones which are given to us by God and to recognize the joy and the freedom that we might experience um, therein. And the story is one which captured my attention years and years ago. Uh, In the church calendar, um, sometimes different people are remembered on different days. And uh, on this particular day, uh, a person, Chad of Litchfield, uh, and he was written about by the Venerable Bede, right? You're all down with the Venerable Bede, right? I can tell you're riveted, um, and so I want to pounce on this opportunity uh, you know what, 7th century, the Venerable Beach, out of Litchfield, it's, uh, this is, you're going you're gonna to see in a moment, this is interesting, uh, I promise you, and this is pertinent, and here's why I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you. So back in that day, uh, one of the things, there, was, uh, there were different debates uh, in the church at that time about um, some really pressing issues like how to set the church calendar um, and so forth, and different uh, ways of practice, and you had certain traditions, and in England at that time, Chad lived... Um, in England, uh, again, 7th century, uh, and he was actually, he first was an abbot and then um, was a bishop. Well, uh, there was a new pope, uh, and there was uh, a new archbishop of Canterbury, Theodore of Tarsus was his name, and the pope was Pope Vitalian. Uh, And uh, Theodore, uh, the archbishop of Canterbury, decided, you know what, it was time to visit Uh, out in some of the more remote areas uh, because it was time to straighten things out um, and time um, to clean things up. Uh, And so he arrived um, where Chad was uh, and he informed Chad that he had been uh, ordained irregularly because he had been ordained by bishops of the British race. Uh, And not only had he been ordained irregularly, but he was going to step down from, he needed to step down from his position 
um, as bishop. Uh, that's, uh, that's what uh, the bishop had to say um, to Chad. And, and again, uh, you're welcome to disagree with me if, if you like, but I, I think you see um, what that wonderful sense of freedom um, that we have in realizing that, that any opportunity for service that we have, any gifts um, that we have uh, are gifts um, from God. Uh, and, and quite frankly, not only are they gifts from God, but God, will, God is able um, to give and to encourage and to sustain and to fill our lives with, with joy in such a way that, uh, that the things of this world can't take it away from us. And so when Chad of Litchfield was told that he needed to step down from his position, his response to Theodore says, you know what, that's awesome. I never thought I was worthy of the position in the first place. Uh, <laughs> You can have it. He probably secretly said, "Thank God, um, you know, this is this is this is yours." Now, uh, you know, I, I never met Theodore, but I have to give him credit. Um, he realized he said, "Wait a minute, we could probably use some more people like you." Um, so he says, "So here's what we're going to do: to we're going to basically we're going to clean up your paperwork. Um, we're going to reordain you rightly because um, we need you to continue uh, as as a bishop." And, and and Chad did so until he died as a result of serving people who were affected um, by plague and, and, by, and by illness. And, and I share that story with you. That, that may seem a little obscure, perhaps, but that's the joy. That's the tremendous joy in realizing that, that any uh, gifts that we have come from God and are dependent upon his power. That's the joy uh, of entering into God's service and seeking uh, the common good and, and, and holding um, the right things in a firm grip and holding the things that don't matter uh, with a loose grip. Because what Chad realized, he said, you know what, I, my life's fine without this position, but my life can't go on without Jesus. Uh, I, can, I can give up this position today, and that's all well and good, uh, but I can't give up on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the life and the meaning and the hope and the salvation that I have uh, as a result uh, of him and what he has done for me. And so we, as we gather this day, as we hear um, this uh, encouragement from Paul, these words from Paul, I invite you along with me to think about the joy which can be found in finding uh, our strength and our power not in our, own, um, not in our own resources, but in the unlimited resources of God. Uh, and that entering into that relationship with him, entering into um, the service as it's placed before us, those opportunities placed before us, that we might know the joy and the freedom uh, of serving the Lord, of serving one another, uh, of working um, for the common good. And as we hear that this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that um, your power is indeed made perfect uh, in our weakness. Uh, you give to us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord, draw our hearts, draw our minds to you that we might find uh, that you not only are more than sufficient for us, but in relationship with you and in your service, I pray that we would find that life and freedom which we all look and long for. This we ask, this we offer in the name of your Son, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.